All right, everybody, welcome to New Life. How many guys are excited to be here today? Thank you so much for doing that. I love it. I love it. My name's Jeff. I get the privilege of uh, serving as the lead pastor here. I want to say a big hello to everybody worshiping with us at all of our campuses. But I do need to pause for a moment. <clears throat> at our North Platte campus, we have just done something historic. Uh, we just had Pastor Gary up on the platform. Uh, we just had a moment where there was some interaction that was able to take place and some laying on of hands and praying over Pastor Dave as the spiritual leadership baton was passed from Pastor Gary to Pastor Dave as we've merged together now with First Assembly into New Life Church. And I just want to say a huge Full New Life Church, all campuses, everybody online welcomes you from First Assembly into the body of New Life Church. We welcome you. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. If you attend one of our other campuses, not North Platte, and you didn't know what was going on, uh, we had another church in North Platte that had voted to uh, merge with us. And our membership body voted the very same vote. And so we have now become one church. I believe we'll be better together in North Platte than we ever were separated. I believe that God's going to do some you know, amazing things in that community. People are going to find Jesus. Lives are going to be changed. I think just get ready, put your seatbelt on, and get ready for what God's going to do in North Platte as uh, there's been some am amazing obedience of just following God. So, guys, I love you. I bless you. Welcome to New Life. Glad to have you guys with us. We're kicking off a brand new teaching series called Mandates. How many guys just love being told what to do all the time? No, no. We don't like it, all right? But mandates, laws in a land, they bring a couple of things that we do like. How many of you guys like justice and civility? Yes, yes, we like those things. We only get those things when you've got mandates, when you have laws. But some of these mandates and laws, how many of you guys know that some of them just kind of get out of control and they become crazy and weird? How many of you guys, you understand what I'm saying, right? All right, you're with me. Such as this, if you are from Alabama or you visit Alabama, I just want you to know that it's illegal to drive blindfolded in Alabama. That's on the books. If you like to drive that way, don't go to Alabama. In Arizona, it's illegal for a donkey to sleep in a bathtub. <clears throat> so if you like that kind of thing, don't go there. In California, on the books right now, it's illegal to whistle for your lost canary before 7 a.m. That's a shame. In Hawaii, how many of you guys like to go to Hawaii, huh? You guys want to go there? Just know this, it's illegal to place a coin in your ear in Hawaii. Yeah, so magicians, you're out, okay? You can't be playing tricks on people. In Kentucky, it's illegal for a woman to marry the same man four times. No, this is true. This is on the books. This probably should be on the books everywhere. In Louisiana, it's illegal to give a surprise pizza. I don't even know what that means. Who, who's ever gotten a surprise pizza? Like, just showed up at your door. Like, you didn't even know it was coming. And someone's just like, surprise, pizza. You can't do that in Louisiana. They don't like generosity with pizza giving in Louisiana. <clears throat> in Maryland, sleeveless shirts are banned in public parks. You got to put your guns away. It's a concealed carry state. <clears throat> <clears throat> that's, that's why I wear long sleeves. Uh, 
<laughs> Let's regroup, people. Regroup. <laughs> Stop visually looking at my biceps. Montana. In Montana, all right, check this out. It's illegal to give a rat as a present in Montana. That makes sense. In New York, slippers are banned after 10 p.m. Don't understand it. In Oregon, it's illegal to hunt in a cemetery. Like, <laughs> who was doing what that caused that mandate to get put in place? And the next one is equal to it in South Dakota, our neighbors to the north, of which we love. It's illegal to sleep in a cheese factory in South Dakota. That's weird. And in Vermont, last but not least, it's illegal for a woman to wear fake teeth without the permission of her husband. <laughs> Still on the books. Still on the books, all right? Mandates. There's, been a, there's a lot of mandates. There's a lot of laws. Uh, there's been a number of mandates that we've all been having to adhere to since the pandemic, all right? As your pastor, let me just highlight something, though, for you. Up to this point in recent history, uh, there hasn't been any mandates in our nation that have, that, that have restricted uh, our, our freedom to really worship. Now, there have been some mandates that have come down about worship, but there have been very little that has changed concerning the freedom to worship because of mandates that have been, that have been poured out, whether they're recent ones or they are ones that have been on the books for a while. Like, as an example, back in the 1960s, a mandate was passed that prayer was taken out of the school. Well, I've got, uh, I've got bad news and good news. Uh, even though that mandate was passed, they can't keep students from praying in schools. Just so you know, just so you know. Um, the, you know, some states recently had to restrict the size of gatherings for larger gatherings, like what we're in right now in all of our campuses. That affected or it hindered the church to gather, but it did not affect our freedom to worship. We went to worship online. How many of you guys joined us for worship online? Come on. All right, there you go. And then, you know, we went to worship outdoors in some states that, you know, had the kind of weather that you could make that happen. So it, even those things, those kind of mandates didn't hinder our freedom to worship. Some states, though, they attacked certain aspects of the freedom to worship. Those cases were taken to court, and those cases were overturned because we have a mandate for the freedom to worship in our country. Thank the Lord for that. Amen? Amen. All right. All of these mandates we've been talking about are man-made. Man made them. They didn't exist. Then they started, and they have a timeline, right? Some of them, the ones that we're living underneath some pandemic mandates, they'll expire. But we have others that are going to continue on, right, in our nation until they are changed, However, the mandates found in God's word are timeless. The mandates of our land, they affect us only while we live here on this earth. The mandates found in God's word, they can affect the destination that we will spend eternity. So during this series, our focus is not on the mandates of our land, because they will come and they will go. Our focus is on the mandates found in God's word, so that we can be a part of what God's doing, so we can apply God's word to our life, so that we can be a part of building God's kingdom on this earth while we are given life, right? So we can be a part of God's mission on this earth, the mandates. So let's start with the very first mandate that's found in the Bible. It's found in the book of Genesis. It comes right after God has now created Adam and then God creates Eve. Right after he creates Eve, God gives the very first mandate in all of scripture, Genesis chapter one, verse 28. Then God blessed them and he said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, 
the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. This mandate we refer to as the creation mandate. And the creation mandate has four critical components to it. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and govern it. I want you to, let's say those one more time, okay, because I just want you to like, get those locked in. This creation mandate has four components. It's be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and govern it. By the time we're done with this message today, I think you're going to understand that this isn't something that's just ancient and archaic that God created, right, that God mandated that is no longer in existence. This is still a mandate that God has for you and me to live our life by and to live in a way that glorifies him and honors him. So let's talk about it. What did God mean by when he said to mankind, be fruitful? God was talking about this, to go and do something with your hands. Okay, bear fruit. Go do something with your hands that, and with your life, with your mind, that brings glory and it brings honor to me. I want you to notice right off the bat in this mandate, Genesis chapter 1 verse 28 is pre-Adam and Eve sinning pre them eating the fruit from the forbidden tree, pre that. So before they ever sin, it was already the intent in God's heart that they were not gonna be able to live in the garden for the rest of their life. So if you've ever looked back at the beginning of Genesis and you thought to yourself, well, Adam and Eve didn't sin, we just could just live this happy life in the garden. No, God's intent from the beginning was to go Adam and Eve do something with the gifts and the talents and the abilities I've given you that brings glory and it brings honor to me. Basically, God was saying to them, you don't just get to sit around this nice plush garden that I created for you and expect amazing things to happen. You're gonna have to go and take steps of faith to be fruitful right off the bat. That changes the whole paradigm. It changes the whole idea of the beginning of creation. This was God's plan from the beginning regardless of what Adam and Eve were going to do when it came to their righteousness, if they were going to honor him or they were going to sin, like all of us have sinned. Then God says, on top of being fruitful, I want you to multiply. What I love about being multi the multiplying factor is that this gives us a snapshot into the character and to the nature of God. God is not a God of addition. God is a God of multiplication. And this is why God says to Adam and Eve, I want you to go and reproduce yourself. Which two young people, right, like ripped and cut and like physiques out of this world, they look at each other and they're like, we can take care of that one. <laughs> but God wasn't just talking about physically. God was also talking about spiritually. He was saying multiply. Multiply what? Look, you got to remember they're perfect at this moment. They are completely innocent at this moment. Every thought, every motive, everything they've got going on inside of them, when God gives us this command, is everything perfectly made by God to be replicated. So God's saying to them, I want you to go multiply yourself physically. Yes, I want you to multiply yourself spiritually. I, I want you to go and make sure you teach the other generations to do the very same thing because if it's just you and you alone, Adam and Eve, it will only be addition. But when you teach your children to do the very same thing, then it becomes multiplication. And guys, as a grandfather, let me just tell you something. As a grandfather, it, there, there's nothing more that warms your heart than when your grandchildren come to you and they tell you about what, the, you know, what Jesus is doing in their life. 
or that they're excited about church, or they're excited about what God's doing. There's something about that that just excites you. God was saying to Adam and Eve, I want you to experience that same thing. Like when I came and I walked in the garden with you, like the Bible says, in the cool of the evening, God came and he walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. And they conversed and they talked with one another and they discussed life. God's going, I want you to have that same kind of experience with the next generation. I want you to lead it. Multiply. Okay? So don't, don't just multiply physically. Multiply spiritually. Teach them what, I've been, what I'm doing. Okay? Turn them into little followers of me. Then God says, here's what I want you to do with all that. Fill the earth. Fill the earth is the plan that God had. And so God was basically saying from the very beginning, I know that the garden's amazing. I know that the garden's perfect, but you don't get to just stay here. You're going to have to go to the ends of the earth. You don't just get to grow your little family and keep them all in this nice little valley, okay? You're going to have to go and, and track over the mountains. You're going to have to go and, you know, you'll cross over the seas. You're going to have to go and walk through some of the frigid areas of the north, Okay, you're going to have to go through some desert lands. You're going to have to go through some difficult scenarios to get the mission accomplished. But this is my mission, is to take what I've taught you to the ends of the earth and raise up people that will establish themselves in all four corners of the world that know me, they love me, and they obey me. Fill the earth. Lastly, God said to govern it. And the government is probably exactly what you think it means, right? It means to basically take care of and to nurture my creation, that everywhere you go, I created it. Everything that you see, everything that you touch, everywhere your feet put themselves, I created that, and I want you to go and govern it, take care of it, manage, manage it well, manage yourself well, by the way, manage all the people that are there well, Okay, and then stick to the plan. Teach them to obey what I, what, I, what I taught you. Teach them to do the very same thing. Govern everything that you're over, govern all the people, and govern the next generation and govern them well. That mandate was given to Adam and Eve before they sinned. What happened after they sinned? Did God change the mandate? Did God alter the mandate because man sinned? And we can see clearly in Scripture that no, that's not the case. A few chapters later in Genesis, God, God looks at humanity and it's incredibly corrupt. And God goes, I'm, I'm sorry I, I ever did this and I'm going to send a flood and we'll wipe it out. But Noah, your family, your family and your family alone have been righteous. Your family alone has served me. So Noah, here's the plan. Build the, build the ark. I'm going to bring the animals supernaturally, and I want, you to, I want you to live through this so that we can restart again. And God gives Noah the exact same mandate after about 13 months in the ark, since it started raining, to the time that it stopped raining, to the time that the ark set foot on Mount Ararat, to the time that the waters receded, to the time that the earth dried enough for Noah to open up the door to the ark and let the animals go. We're looking at about 13 months or so. And then as that moment happens, this is what God says to Noah. Then God blessed Noah and his sons, and he told them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. Have you heard that someplace before? There's three of the four elements of the creation mandate. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. 
all the animals of the earth, all the birds of the sky, all the small animals that scurry along the ground, and all the fish in the sea will look on you with fear and terror, Noah. I have placed them in your what? In your power. I've placed them under your governance. The four components are passed down to Noah. You and me are all descendants of Adam and Eve, and especially from Noah and his family. All of us on this earth are, if you look at the you look at the genealogy of the Bible, I mean, it all comes from there, okay? So that's who's on the earth, that's who repopulates the earth. Therefore, God's creation mandate now exists all through the Old Testament, up until the time that Jesus comes. So we know that now. We know that the creation mandate was something God established at the beginning. We know now that it's something that's going to last through the entire Old Testament. The question we have to answer now is, is this a mandate that continues on for us even to this day? But see, once Adam and Eve sinned, the mandate, the creation mandate, got very difficult. It got very hard. Man had to, you know, prepare crops through the ground that, you know, wasn't going to be as malleable as it was pre-sin. God said that once sin came about that it was going to be hard to work the land and there was going to be you know, crop failures with you know, different diseases and, and uh, thorns and, and weeds that were going to come up and you're going to have to fight against those all the time. And then the mandate to multiply and fill the earth for women unfortunately was going to come through great pain and even loss of life at times to fulfill the creation mandate. So I think that we better know that since it's difficult and God still gave it to Noah, is it still something that's for us today? But all of that pain came because the first Adam sinned. So God said, I'm going to send a second Adam. His name is Jesus. To restart. To hit the reset button. To have a fresh start. Because I know that man is out there isolated from me. Because of man's sin. I'm going to send a second Adam, Jesus. He's going to give his life on the cross as a sinless sacrifice to cover our sin so that we might be whole and righteous in God's eyes again. And when that happens, I'm going to, be, I'm going to make a reiteration of the creation mandate through the risen Savior to my people so that every single person that would call me Savior and Lord would participate in this creation mandate. And therefore, Jesus, some of his very last words before he departs from this earth and ascends back to heaven after the death and the resurrection, utters these words to every single believer. Check it out. He says, then Jesus came and he told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I've given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Right here is the brand new New Testament creation mandate laid out before us. The same mandate that God gave at the very beginning of the Bible, the same one that God gave when he restarted humanity through Noah, and the same one he gave when he sent the new Adam to restart the relationship with him through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior. The same creation mandate. Let me show you. First one is this, be fruitful. What did it mean to be fruitful? Let's go back to the very beginning. What did it mean to be fruitful? To go and do something with your hands that would bring glory and honor to me. What's the very first word Jesus says in the mandate? Go. 
First, first words, go. Be fruitful. What's the next word that, that God gave in the mandate? Multiply. Okay, we talked about what it meant to multiply. It wasn't just physical, but it was also spiritual. It was training up the children in the way that they should go, multiplying the very character and the nature into God's heart. So Jesus says, go and what? Make disciples. Multiply yourself. Teach your children. Teach your children's children what it means to worship me and to honor me. Multiply yourself. Make disciples. What was the third part of the creation mandate at the very beginning? Fill the earth. Jesus says, therefore, go and make disciples of how many nations? All nations. The entire earth. You don't get to just care about yourself. You don't just get to care about the people that look like you and sound like you. I want you to go into all the world, to the ends of the earth, and make disciples. And what was the last part of the creation mandate? To govern it. So then we find after he says all nations, then he goes, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you. The governance. Teach them, teach them the mandates. Teach them the laws. Teach them my heart. Teach them my ways. So they might stick to the plan. Teach it to them. You find these four components alive now, in this reiteration of the creation mandate that now becomes a cultural mandate, it changes the very culture of every single person who would call themselves a Jesus follower. It affects the way that you have to see the world. It affects the way that you have to see life. It affects the way that you have to live, how you have to be generous. Right? It affects everything about you. You don't get a choice any longer than to sit on the side and just be a participant, but you are a person fully engaged in the mission of God. I would say this to you, that I think an, an argument is God a master planner is fully discovered right here in this very first mandate, the creation mandate. God started it at the very beginning, and it's still alive today, and it's going to be alive until this world comes to an end. God, God is a master planner, and he wants you to participate in his creation mandate. So what does it look like for you today to participate in this? Pay attention over these next few moments and you're gonna find yourself in one of these places. You might even wanna write down this idea, you know, whatever it is that stands out to you because something's going to stand out to you here of something that God's going, here's how I want you to participate in my creation mandate this week. First, be fruitful. So what does it mean for you personally? Well, be active in building the kingdom of God in some capacity this week. That can happen through prayer. That can happen through serving. That can happen by giving. Giving financially. Giving of your time. It just means this. Do whatever God gifted you to do as worship unto him. Do something with your life this week that brings glory to God. Worship God through your work. Work with more integrity this week. Work with more character this week. Work with more efficiency this week. Pray with more fervency this week. If you're not serving through the local church at any of our campuses, then find a way to serve. Hunt down one of our pastors. Ask them, how can I serve? I want to be a part. If you're not giving, give. And give of your time as well. Do something that builds God's kingdom. Be fruitful. Go. Take a step of faith. Get out of your comfort zone. Step out of your, 
you know, just using all of your time for you, using all of what you have for you. Step out of that and be a part of building God's kingdom. Be fruitful. And by the way, one of the reasons why I think God gave that to us is because we love, we love being fruitful. We love doing things with our hands, with our minds. We love, you know, producing something, making something. Isn't that part of the character and the nature of God? Isn't he not a creator? Did he not create you in his image and in his likeness? Yes. So what's the very first thing he tells you to do? Go be creative. Go be creative. Multiply. How does it apply to you? Well, it basically means for you to replicate your faith in the hearts of many. Not a few. Not a couple. Because it wasn't the command to add. It was the command to multiply. So God's saying this to every single believer. Replicate your faith in the hearts of many. Where does it start? It starts with your family. First and foremost, that's what God's command was to Adam and Eve. That was what God's command was to Noah and to his family. And that's the same spiritual command that God's given to us through Jesus Christ. Multiply your faith first and foremost into your family. Extend it to your friends. And extend it to any opportunity the Holy Spirit might give you. And be looking, actively looking for opportunities that the Holy Spirit might give you to share your faith with others. Or to invite people to even come and worship with you at New Life Church at any of our campuses. Just simply multiply your faith by telling others what Jesus has done in you and through you. Multiply. We're all part of, the, part of that equation, by the way. Lastly, or excuse me, thirdly, fill the earth. Fill the earth. What, what does that mean for you? Well, be a kingdom builder. That's what it means. Fill the earth. Be a kingdom builder. As a Christian, you don't get the privilege just to love and to like the people that live in your area of the world. You are forced to care about people that are at the ends of the earth. That's a mandate from God's heart. So let me give you something practical you can do this week. Have you guys watched the news and you get disgusted by the time you're done watching the news? You're completely frustrated. You want to throw the remote at the TV. Don't raise your hand. A lot of you do. A lot of you do. And you, you like rant this frustration to one another. It becomes part of the evening dinner or evening going to bed conversation between couples. Did you see what happened on the news? I can't believe that they're doing that. Can you, know, you believe what they're doing in this other country? So the next time you see something happening about another country that frustrates you, just remember this. That's their government at work. That's not the people. That's their government at work. Look beyond the frustration of what you're sensing with the government and start thinking about the fact that there's a family just like you that needs to know the love of Jesus Christ and maybe instead of being frustrated, turn it into a brief 30-second moment of prayer for them. That's a way, that's a way we can be a part of God's mission on you know, this whole idea of being a kingdom builder and filling the earth. Pray for the souls of those who live in foreign countries of which you may never go to ever. Be generous. Be generous and give as a kingdom builder. Why? Because we have partners in countries all around the world that are actively sharing the good news of Jesus with people and lives are being changed even in countries where it's illegal. Be generous as a kingdom builder. That's one of the ways you can be a part of God's creation mandate and fill the earth with his good news. And then lastly, when some of these mandates lift and we can actually travel the way we want to, how many of you guys are looking for those kind of moments? I'm looking for those kind of moments. 
right? Go on a global outreach trip with us. If you've never been on a foreign global outreach trip or what some of you might refer to as a missions trip, I personally want to invite every single one of you that have never been on a foreign global outreach trip to go with us on one of the next ones that comes up. We have some that are going to roll out this year, right? We're just holding on to them, waiting for some of these mandates to change. Prayerfully, we want to roll them out around Easter, okay? But if we don't get a chance to roll them out in 2021, I'm telling you, as soon as we get the opportunity, we're going to do it. Why? Because I've taken too many people, I've taken hundreds and hundreds of people probably thousands by now, overseas on a foreign global outreach trip, and their life was changed forever. And their heart grew amazingly large. It was like, it was like watching the Grinch heart grow. One, you know, two, three. It was like that kind of a thing. It was that kind of a growth. Because people started capturing God's heart for the world. Guys, I'm telling you, that's a part of this creation mandate. Lastly, govern it. Use what God's given you wisely. That's what that means for you today. What's God, what has God given you that you can use wisely? Well, he's given you leadership. Use your leadership wisely and in a way that brings glory to God. Your leadership when you're the, the shift manager. Your leadership as the husband. Your leadership as the mother. Your leadership as the entrepreneur. Right, your leadership as the manager. I, I don't know where you get to use your leadership, but everybody has leadership. Why? Because everybody has influence in some capacity. Use your influence to bring glory to God. That would be part of governing well, right? That'd be part of this creation mandate to use what God's given you wisely. Use your resources wisely. Use them to glorify God. Figure out ways in this next 30 days Right now, I challenge you as a couple, figure out a way to use your house to glorify God. Yep, that means you're going to have to clean it. You're going to have to have somebody over. You're going to have to bless them with a meal. You're going to have to pray for them in your house. Use your house to glorify God. How about in the next seven days? How could you use your car to glorify God? It's a resource that God gave you. Could you give somebody a ride? Could you pick somebody up for coffee? Could you drive them someplace, right? Could you, while you're driving in your commute from wherever you live to wherever you work, could you use your car as a place of prayer? Could you do that, right? So how can you use your resources to glorify God? How about, how about those closets that are full of things that you don't really need? Instead of putting them on Carney Exchange or Nordplatt Exchange or Ogallala Exchange or trying to sell them on eBay, why don't you figure out like maybe who you could bless with them? That might be an idea, right? Because we got a lot. We have a lot. We've been, we've been blessed with a lot. Use your resources to glorify God. Govern it well. Use your talents to glorify God. I'm, I am convinced that every single thing that God wants to do through this church, he's put the talent in this church to accomplish it. That the, that the talent is in the house to accomplish the mission God's called New Life to do. It's just that a lot of the talent is sitting in seats not being used. Now look, I'm not trying to step on your toes, okay? Because that's not really what I'm attempting to do. I'm just trying to remind you, you have a talent. That talent, if used for the glory of God, could make a difference in the lives of people that you don't even know or have met at this moment. Lastly, govern well your time. And use your time to glorify God. 
if you're anything like me, you're very tempted to like try to, you know, protect your time and to use your time for you. And it's an easy little like cycle to get into. It's very, very destructive. But the more generous we are with our time, the more refreshed we can become because God will use that time invested into the lives of others, used to glorify his kingdom, used to benefit others. He'll use that to build you up and refresh in you. Lastly, though, if I can just simply say it this way, let the Holy Spirit be fruitful in your life. Invite him in. As we go into a time of worship, invite the Holy Spirit to come in. Let the Holy Spirit multiply his efforts in your life. Give him more and more control as we go into this time of worship. Let the Holy Spirit fill every area of your life. Let him fill every zone of you. Let him heal every hurt. Let him address all of the issues of our lives where we feel so insecure. Let the Holy Spirit go wherever he wants to go. Let him fill you completely. Maybe for some of you, that's your response in worship. Holy Spirit, fill me completely. Maybe lastly, let the Holy Spirit govern you. Let him direct in you what he wants to accomplish. Let let his conviction ring loud in your heart where our lives have missed the mark. Let the Holy Spirit, invite the Holy Spirit in. Let him multiply in you. Let him take over all of you, fill all of you, and let him him govern. Let him govern your life. Invite the Holy Spirit to be a part of your life. So to end this service, I I basically, I want to charge you with the creation mandate. I want to make four bold statements. And at the end of every one of those statements, if you're you have the heart that you want to fulfill this creation mandate in your life, then I want you to end these statements with a collective congregational response in all of our campuses with, I will. I'll make four statements, and if that's your heart, then you just boldly say, I will. So to do this, why don't we stand and prepare our hearts for worship? This mandate given to Adam and Eve that's reiterated through our risen Savior, Jesus Christ, is still for God's church today. So prepare yourself to be charged with this mandate, to live it out this week, this month, for the rest of our lives, to the betterment of our own ability. So church, go and be fruitful. Go and multiply. Church, go and fill the earth. Church, go and govern with wisdom and generosity. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your work that started in the garden, that was refreshed through Noah and his family, and that was reiterated through your son, Jesus Christ, and still exists all the way to the end of the age that you've called us you've called us to be fruitful with our lives you've called us to multiply your message you've called us to care about people in our backyard all the way to the ends of the earth and Lord you called us to govern what you've given us and govern it well Lord this mandate is from the beginning to the end 
Lord, how can we be followers of you if we don't grasp it? How can we be followers of you if we don't obey it? How can we be followers of you if we don't let you have your way in us? So Lord, thank you for sending your Holy Spirit to empower us to accomplish your mandate. The more we surrender, the more we surrender to your Spirit, the more we're capable of accomplishing your mandate. The more that we let your Holy Spirit come in and be fruitful in us and do your work in us, And the more we let your Holy Spirit multiply your efforts in us, and the more we let your Holy Spirit have freedom to go anywhere in us and through us, the more that we're going to be governed by your Spirit that's going to allow us to produce this creation mandate so that the world might know Jesus and lives might be changed. So Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you would charge this church and these people with your creation mandate one that we could not get away from all week long. And Lord, you, I, I just pray that this message be something that resonates in the hearts of people, that they can't get away from it. In their sleep, they think about it. Lord, in their, in their daydreaming moments, they think about it. Lord, they have conversations with their spouses about it. I pray that this is something that happens, that, that conversations happen in life groups. I pray that conversations happen on social media. I pray that we can't get away from it, God, because it's at the foundation of our relationship with you. May you live out this mandate in us and through us so that your kingdom might grow and that, Lord, you might get all the glory. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen.